All right, welcome everybody to an episode of EM Over Easy. We are here recording at ASAP 2019 in Denver, Colorado. Here with Drew, my co-host. Good morning. Tanner is on some icy flight from Canada. Hopefully he makes it today. Yeah, hopefully he makes it. But we are really excited to be here and to be joined by Nicole Battaglioli. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's going on? I said it on the first try. Yeah, you did. You were amazing. I practiced. Better known as Bat Doc. Bat Doc. Uh, And I also... It's going to maybe rouse some people up, but I just want to point out that I am the original Bat Doc because that is my actual name. Yeah, Ken Mellon kind of took that from you. Or tried to. He says we're friendly about it, but I'm not sure. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna sucker punch him later when I see him. Yeah, sounds like a good appropriate plan. So we this are from the original Bat Doc. Ah! Do you know what happens when you punch a Canadian? They apologize to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Did I, did I say something wrong? Did I offend you? I'm sorry. Wait, wait. I'm are sorry. they Canadian or are they Indian, Andy? That that's was totally list. not inclusive, and that's what we're talking about today. That's right. We're here with Nicole. She's going to be talking about inclusion. Uh, she sent us a really good outline, and we're excited to have her here. She does a lot of cool stuff, is involved with the Academic Life Wellness Think Tank, and overall is just a stellar person. So we're excited to have her on. Nicole, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I, I, I'm excited, and I, I contacted you guys because I wanted to sort of rant and talk about inclusion. I'm really big into wellness and physician wellness and how can we make the workplace better. And I think that diversity and inclusion really go hand in hand with wellness. I think a lot of folks sort of know what they mean by diversity, right? More people at the table, people of color, women, persons of you know diverse backgrounds. But I don't think we always sort of know and understand what it means to be inclusive and how that can actually really impact the workplace. I think too many times we we assume they're synonymous, that if we're diverse, that means we're automatically inclusive, mm-hmm. that those things are just, oh, got one, it's going to automatically grab the other one. And I think you're right. It, they are not, they, they might be in the same category, but they're not the same thing. They are not. They're totally separate entities and it takes effort to not only be diverse, but to be inclusive. So diversity really is like this first step in inclusion, right? To to be truly inclusive and, and fully embodying, you have to have a diverse population that you're working with. But that doesn't mean inclusion, right? It's it's how you start moving in that direction. Definitely. So you can have, you know, a diverse workforce and you can have a community that's sort of focuses on assimilation. You know, everybody maybe you have a diverse workforce, but we kind of want everybody to kind of act the same share opinions, sort of fall into whatever the dominant culture is at the organizational level. You can have an exclusionary community where you have a diverse workforce, but folks are definitely feeling excluded, maybe picked upon, you know, feeling some prejudice. And an inclusive work environment is really where you have a diverse workforce and they feel like they're allowed to bring their authentic selves to work every day and that they are sort of celebrated and and rewarded for their unique perspectives that they bring to the table. I think it's something we struggle with a lot, and not just in diversity the the way most people are going to think of diversity, which is different colors, different ethnic backgrounds, but there's diversity. We're all in academic Mm -hmm. uh, medicine in some form or fashion. So on a shift with whoever the attending physician is, there's going to be significant diversity in that. Maybe they're going to be core faculty. Maybe they're not core faculty. Maybe they trained at the institution. Maybe they didn't train at the institution. We're all amongst the younger faculty at our shops, and we like to do things a certain way, but there's certainly an old guard that do things their way. And I can think of being in places and environments where it doesn't feel inclusive just based on those parameters, let alone more ethnic and color and race parameters. So 
I think inclusion is such an important thing to make a creative, productive workforce. I'm so glad that we're talking about this. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing that you brought up in the outline that I don't know if you wanted to go here yet, but I feel like too many times we're asked to assimilate Mm -hmm. that you can bring your diverse background with you and then leave it at the door because this is what we expect from you. Right. And that's not, that's not uncommon. And you may hear things like, well, this is kind of how we do this here, or we've done it this way for how many years. And they're excited to have you there because you're maybe a, a person with a background and with interests that they don't have sort of in their workforce repertoire. But if, if they're asking you to leave those things at the door and assimilate into the work culture that's predominant there, they're not really going to be able to take advantage of those unique perspectives that you have. You know, in the literature, it really shows that when you have diversity in your workforce, there are a lot of advantages to that. There are a lot more unique ideas. You're generally more productive. You just kind of work better. But if you're not inclusive in addition to being diverse, you're going to lose out on a lot of those great things. And it feels in that situation that diversity now is a means to fill a checkbox and saying, hey, look, we're diverse. We, we're not all the same. We, we have different backgrounds as opposed to actually embracing that. We actually had one of our residents, recent graduates of our program, go to a shop that she was the first female that had been there for quite some time. She was the youngest by something like 15 years and was essentially brought in under the auspice that she was going to kind of revolutionize the place that she was working, bring new young ideas, maybe take over as the director role because there's no heir apparent. And within a couple months of being there, she realized very quickly that she was diversity, but it was not inclusive and that her ideas and her concepts maybe weren't as welcomed as she was told they would be. Because mm-hmm. I think on paper, it sounded like a great idea, but in practice, it's, it's not easy. I think to speak to the point of there's opportunities lost, I think we've seen that even in the the roles that we've played over the course of our training is where when you exclude somebody because they want to assimilate, that person also loses their drive. And Mm -hmm. you'll see see their productivity go down. You'll see their interests go down. Mm -hmm. So I think the idea of not only being diverse but inclusive allows you to maximize everybody's potential rather than actually missing out on what that person might bring. And then you also sometimes stunt that person's growth and their ability to move forward. So your comment of sort of checking that box of, okay, we have, we've hired a, a candidate with a different background. We're sort of at the level in, health, in healthcare where maybe some of those quotas are in place or there is sort of an expectation to have a diverse applicant pool or to try to hire diverse candidates. But there's really no responsibility or method of evaluating leadership in terms of how inclusive they make that environment and climate for those candidates. And so I think it'd be really great to, if we started to kind of shift our focus, not only to hire a diverse workforce, but then can we hold our chairs and our department leaders and program directors accountable for creating an inclusive environment for them? And you mentioned on your your outline that you sent us, and I really like this concept, there is no inclusion. That's easy to figure out. Inclusion may be a little harder to figure out, but clearly obvious what that is. And then there's this big, vast gray area of pseudo inclusion. And I think that's a really neat concept that you're introducing, because I never thought of it that way, where we bring somebody to the table, then we don't really empower them or give them the voice that we told them they're going to have. And it can't be productive that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pseudo inclusion can happen in a number of ways. It might be the busy parent who, let's say they can't make it to faculty meeting and there's no mechanism for them to be able to call in or get meeting notes and they kind of feel excluded because they can't be a part of that activity due to other obligations that they have. Or if you're brought on as a person of color and 
they kind of call this the diversity tax almost where they're expected to be the department representative for all persons who share that same background and represent the opinion of an entire group of people, which you know, can seem like you're trying to be inclusive, but actually make them feel very excluded because they're sort of being isolated and picked out to do something purely based on their background. And they're often not compensated or sort of rewarded for their time and efforts. And I'm sure a lot of people think that's a great place to start, but few people probably expand upon that at all to where maybe that's where your job, your your role started there, but mo- very few people develop you beyond that. I think that's right is the problem. Yeah. Right. And again, we all have to start somewhere. So this may seem a very reasonable place to kind of start, but making sure that that individual doesn't feel like they're carrying the entire load or opinion of, of an entire group on their shoulders and making sure they don't feel that way, I think would be important. Yeah, no, I agree. It's almost segregating diversity in that situation. And that's the exact thing that you don't want to do. Uh, and that's that's a great point you point out. So I know you mentioned it a little bit in your introduction, but tell us again about the true benefits of being a truly inclusive organization that values diversity and promotes diversity and what everyone has to bring to the table. So to be able to really tap into the benefits of having a diverse workforce and really just sort of being the best you can be, fostering an inclusive environment, it's going to provide psychological safety where people can actually voice their opinions and you will you'll be able to to actually have great input from all sides. It increases, as you mentioned, you know, engagement and satisfaction. If you have a faculty member who is really feeling included, they're going to want to work harder for you. But if they feel sort of excluded and not really a part of the team, it's really easy to kind of shut down, I think, and and become disengaged. So, you know, engagement and, you know, I'm not sure about you, but we always do an annual, you know, engagement survey. If you are looking to improve your engagement scores, you know, take a look at breaking down that data and seeing which groups are feeling less engaged and is there actually an inclusion problem. In terms of group outcomes, they work better, they have less conflict, less arguments, generally higher performance, and your organization is going to be able to retain more talented candidates, increase a positive reputation, you know, of being a workplace that's not only diverse, but inclusive, and people feel engaged and really want to work there. So it really helps on all levels. It was interesting in preparing for this, one of the many newsletters I get on a weekly basis, there was one about why do people leave the job, mm-hmm, leave a job. Mm-hmm. And in that, inclusion was a big part of it, that people felt like they were hired for a reason, and that reason was never come to fruition because they were just thrown into a scenario given responsibilities they weren't like really tied to the job and they were never allowed to expand on really who they were they were again expected to assimilate just kind of become a worker bee and that's why they sought out a new opportunity yeah so clearly defined a problem of inclusion it's not an easy answer but if you had a couple ideas in an organization could start to apply to make themselves more inclusive what would they be I think, yeah, you're right. It's really difficult to solve this problem as an individual or sometimes even as a department. Sometimes this is an institutional level problem. But things that we can do, uh, really promoting and encouraging faculty to engage with each other, learn about each other, learn about each other's differences so they sort of know like where these opinions may originate or where these thoughts may originate from. So providing, you know, formal or informal ways for faculty to get together to sort of talk about things that are not medicine and actually learn about each other as the humans that we are. 
This would be great even across departments, you know, if you're struggling with other departments in the hospital to kind of create a cohesive workplace between the two groups, um, just getting to know each other on that sort of human level. Being mindful of folks who might be shouldering kind of an extra burden based on their background, whether that be parents, moms, persons of color, sort of attempting to understand what additional barriers they may be facing to being able to participate in their workplace fully. So again, if they have childcare issues or, you know, yesterday when we listened to the plenary session here at ASAP, Derek Cass talked a lot about family leave policy and things like that. So if you have, you know, a new parent who doesn't feel supported as they leave the workplace to have their kid and be with their kiddo during the first few months of life. And if they don't really feel kind of supported in that endeavor, they may feel, you know, kind of excluded. I think it's also important that our leaders fully realize and wholeheartedly support that inclusion is important. And I think we need to start measuring their efforts towards this. I think our leadership has a lot of different metrics and expectations that they meet that are a part of their quote-unquote scorecard when they have their evaluations. And I think fostering an environment of inclusion for their employees and their faculty to work in, I think that should be a part of their scorecard. I think it's an awesome idea holding the people that are really responsible for inclusion to that mark. It's easy as the worker bees, and that's a situation really we all are in to try to be inclusive. But if the vertical integration of that doesn't exist, then it's never going to become a cultural thing at your institution. So a really important thing. It's it's a stupid comparison, but I think really true. My coach in cross country and track in high school used to always say, I don't care if you're the best of friends, you have to be the best of teammates. Mm -hmm. And that's really what inclusion is. We working together in the field of emergency medicine, whether it's at our our shop, whether it's the entire field, and then our practice in medicine in general, because tribalism is bad, need to be teammates. We need to be good teammates to each other and support each other. And I think that's maybe the foundation of being inclusive. I think what's funny is a lot of a lot of this in a way is something that we probably learned back in kindergarten. I jokingly refer to some of these things as sandbox skills. This is stuff you should have learned in the sandbox way back when. But Throughout time and the way that we're cultured, not only in our gender, not only in our socioeconomic background, but also cultured in medicine, these skills are sometimes kind of pushed to the side because of everything else that's going on. That's very true. I was trying to think of like a time where I was forced to be inclusive because I think that's maybe the next step is for each of us to take a self-evaluation. Mm-hmm. Have, we, have we been inclusive in our past? Because I think a lot of us, when we think about it, we can think about when it happened. It was probably when we were all younger. And I think that's probably the next step for people listening to this is to kind of take a self quiz Mm -hmm. of who are the influencers in your life? Have you asked them to assimilate to a role that you think is important or have you accepted them for who they are, regardless of their background, regardless of what they bring to the table? And have you allowed them to kind of use those strengths and the differences that they bring to influence your life for the better? And when I was looking at this outline, that's what I was doing in my mind was, have I been this kind of inclusive person? And to be honest, I haven't been as inclusive as I probably should have been. And I think we can all probably Oh, absolutely. I think we can all agree. And, and anyone who says they've always been inclusive throughout their, their life, their career is probably kidding themselves, but it's being mindful of inclusiveness. And mm-hmm. it's, it's okay at times to not be inclusive if you recognize that you made that mistake and you work to address it, right? We can't all be perfect. Definitely. But I think that self-reflection of really when have I been not included mm-hmm. and how did that make me feel? And then when are some times that I am not as inclusive as I should be so that you can apply that going forward mm-hmm. and, and prevent as much as possible being non-inclusive? 
I think there are ways to sort of educate and make yourself aware of the issues that others face that maybe you don't face based on who you are and what background you come from. There are great podcasts that address women-specific issues. The Harvard Business Review has an amazing podcast called Women at Work. There are other podcasts and informational sources that address you know, issues that persons of color may face. Um, so sort of making yourself aware of these issues because if this isn't something that affects you, you don't really have much of a much of an impetus to, to look at it. So I think awareness is definitely one of the first steps. Well, Nicole, I think this is a great place to stop this start of the conversation. We'll continue this conversation on future episodes. Thank you so much for bringing this topic to our attention and our listeners' attention. You're doing awesome work in this field, addressing inclusiveness and uh, self-awareness and some other wellness talks that you've given. If listeners are not familiar with Bat Doc on social media, please check her out. She's on Twitter, pretty prolific, involved in academic life and emergency medicine, and gives some great talks at multiple conferences coming to you soon. So, Nicole, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. And for those of you who do follow us and maybe don't follow us on all of our social media pages, remember we are on Facebook, Twitter, kind of on Instagram. We're getting better at it. And don't forget to check out our new soonly redesigned website, emovereasy.com.